it's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the LET Golf Podcast, the exclusive podcast from the Ladies European Tour, where we take you inside the ropes to chat to the stars of the show. I'm George Cooper and with me from a very sunny South Africa is Nicola Kenton. Nicola, how are you today? I'm good, thank you, George. How are you back in UK? I'm good, yeah. I'm pretty jealous that you're out there, to be honest, but uh, it, it is what it is. It, it, there is a bit of sun here, but nothing compared to what you have, I guess. Um, yeah. So, uh, no LET this weekend, was there? Which which was a bit of a shame, but I guess it has given us a chance to to break down the first month of action. Uh, what have you made of the season so far? Three events in? Yeah, exactly. Very good start to the season, I think. We've had a lot of players from last year who've continued their form um, coming into 2023, but then as We've both seen a lot of the rookies that we've had come in through Q School over Christmas time are really making their presence known uh, this year. So I think it's been a good mix of players that we've got at the top. Obviously, we've had three separate winners, all people who have won on the LET before so far. So we'll see when we get our first first time winner, because obviously we had a lot of those in 2022. Um, but yeah, good start to the season, I think, and good for the tour. Yeah, really exciting. Like you say, I think we will get plenty of first-time winners this year. Uh, and a DT flying at the top of the race to Costa del Sol, um, that's sort of shaping up nicely already, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The fact that, you know, first three events in 2023 and she wins the first one, comes third in the second and comes second in the third. So <laughs> she's had a phenomenal start to 2023. And as you say, reading, leading that race to Costa del Sol by quite a large margin, um, someone would have to do the double here in South Africa this week to even get close to where she is. So we'll we'll see how that progresses through the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, but Alice Houston as well has made a really good start to the season and she knows all about winning in South Africa. Uh, how impressive have you been about her? Yeah, she made some changes over uh, the Christmas break. So obviously she had a good season last season and then made some changes uh, behind the scenes kind of coaching-wise. And she says they're really starting to pay off, obviously, if she came uh, tied second in Kenya and then had top 20 in both Morocco and in Saudi. So um, she's kind of seeing that come to fruition and she's just hoping to continue that on through the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. So we'll see how she fares this week when we are in South Africa. Now, as you mentioned, and I guess to my begrudgement, <laughs> you are over there in South Africa. We've got two events swing. So uh, yeah, what should the, the fans expect? Yes, I'm back in the warm and sunny weather on tour, which is life on tour. Um, and yeah, we've got two weeks in South Africa. So this week we're in Johannesburg for the Joburg Ladies Open. Obviously next week, the Investex South African Women's Open. But this week uh, is a co-sanctioned event with the Sunshine Ladies Tour. It's their fifth event of their season and obviously the first one with us. Um, this tournament was won by Lynn Grant in 2022 she was the inaugural winner of the co-sanctioned event and obviously we know what happened after that and if you haven't listened to Lynn she's already been on the podcast this season so go back and listen to episode two where she said that warning in Joburg really helped propel her forward for the season um but yeah as you say Alice Houston is the top ranked player coming in on the race to cross our soul but there's plenty of players in form including South Africa's own Cassandra Alexander who is from Johannesburg uh, she's won twice on the Sunshine Ladies Tour so far this year, including last week. And she's just hoping that that form is going to continue this week in front of her friends and family who are hopefully able to come out to the course. Yeah, definitely. She's been absolutely flying. Uh, we've got another South African star who's no stranger to winning on home soil. 
And that's Leanne Pace, who's also going to be teeing up this week as she targets win number 15 in the Rainbow Nation, which is just unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, before we get to that, we were delighted to have her on the podcast, weren't we, Nicola? So take it away and introduce the guest, please. Yes, I spoke to Leanne Pace, 11-time LET winner and Order of Merit champion from 2010, earlier in the week here in Johannesburg. And um, we just kind of went a trip down memory lane, to be honest, George, um, covering how she got on to tour, how she got into golf, her college career, because she did not take the usual route on to tour. Um, her college career, balancing LET and LPGA, and obviously how much she loves winning at home in South Africa. <laughs> so, as you said, great guest to have on this week. And let's listen to the interview. Leanne, welcome to the LET Golf Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Obviously, you've had a busy start to the year, um, combining both Sunshine Ladies Tour and LET. Talk me through what you've been doing over the past few weeks. So we started in Sun City, I believe. Yeah, that was our first event. Seems like a long time ago now. (laughs) Um, After that, we went to Daidata and George and uh, then to Saudi. Yeah, that was a really nice event. Uh, the men's uh, men's and women's prize fund are now the same, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, I made a made a little check there, which I was happy about. And uh, last week I played at the Jabra in Jabra. Okay, so you had a good week in Saudi, producing some low rounds out there. So as you say, get some prize money in the bag at the start of the year. How did you find that week, and how where do you think your game's at? Yeah, it was great. Uh, it's obviously really nice to play against the best in the world, and. Um, can perform against the best in the world that that gives you a little bit of a boost going forward um but yeah really nice check um i think it came out to like nearly three wins <laughs> so just for one week um so i was happy with that and yeah came back and feeling really good about my game i was a little bit tired last week um but other than that it was yeah it was good looking forward to the next few weeks and we'll go back earlier on in your career so talk me through how you got started in golf when was the first time you picked up a club and how did that happen so it was a very long time ago so (laughs) if memory suits me right um it was 17 I started playing 17 I played uh, hockey and tennis and everything else with a ball except golf I, I thought it was quite boring actually and the the long shorts on the knees and all that didn't really appeal to me (laughs) But I started playing um, because my dad actually was, I was caddying for my dad since I was really young. So I understood the game very well. Um, But then one day I was just hitting some balls with with some boys outside um, while he was doing prize giving. And then uh, there was a, happened to be a pro and saw me hitting balls and said, wow, she's got a lot of talent. She should be playing golf. And then, yeah, a year later I was playing golf pretty much full time (laughs) and no other sports. So I left all the other sports and just concentrated on golf which was difficult in the beginning but long it was great and did playing those other sports kind of help you obviously build the different strengths of core and athleticness that you need in the game of golf was it something that kind of you think helped progress your journey quicker I think so um you know hockey tennis it's all rotation it's all using the same similar muscles than than in golf um a little bit different technique obviously but I Definitely think I, it made me stronger. Um, yeah, it just gave me a general sense of the ball and um, developed my ball skills, yeah. And so when you suddenly were playing golf full time, <laughs> what was that like for it to go from something that, you know, 
was just something you did with your dad and then now suddenly it's your job yeah that was bizarre <laughs> I I didn't love it at first I, I loved uh, I loved playing hockey that was my absolute passion um, I wanted to go to university so I had my whole life planned out for me uh, and then everything just suddenly changed I didn't I didn't go to university in South Africa I went to America um, the ball wasn't moving it was standing still so that's uh, something <laughs> else to get to I've got used to um, but yeah, in the beginning, it's it's quite lonely. I think traveling by yourself and just um, it's, it's, it was very different. But uh, finally, I went to college and we played uh, as a team there again. So that was a nice nice experience. Uh, got a degree and yeah, after that, turning turning pro was tough. I think in the beginning, <laughs> didn't make a lot of money the first year. I actually lost both my cards the first year. So I had to go back to both the key schools. Um, didn't qualify for LPJ then uh, and started playing in Europe. Again, didn't do so well in the second year. Um, and actually, I wanted to give it up. I was like, okay, this isn't for me. I'm not making cash. In fact, uh, my bank account is in the red. This is not going very well. So and my dad said to me, no, let's, uh, let's just do one more year. Let's see how it goes. Anyway, that year, I think I finished... 20th on the order of merit and I was like okay it's going better no more red and yeah, you know, the next year I think I won the, the order of merit so yeah it's just patience and but yeah the first few years were very difficult. And you mentioned your dad there how much of an influence um, was he at the start of your career and obviously helping you on that career path? No massive I mean he's the one that got me into golf he's the one who, who taught me everything about the game um, yeah he was he was definitely instrumental in, in my entire career. He paid for me to go across the world to compete. So, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have been a pro golfer. It wasn't for him. And you mentioned that your plan originally was to go to university in South Africa, stay at home. But then obviously you ended up going to the States instead. Um, how did you end up going over to Murray State and Tulsa? How did that come about? So... <laughs> Weird story, actually. I, I stopped playing golf when I was, I think I was about 19. I stopped playing um, and I, I started to do uh, management, managing a, a signage company. So it's kind of like uh, designing the signs and um, anything a company needs on like decals on their cars and putting it on. And so I, I did that for a year and a half in Durban, moved away from home, still didn't go to university. I think I earned at that point it was 200 euros a month working from like seven till five uh not got a bit tired of that um and i started hitting a few few balls again started playing for for the the club team and got interested in it again um and at the same time i, I decided okay i need money so i started waitressing while i was doing that i was playing a bit of golf and um I just happened to be at a tournament where one of my older friends uh, showed up. She was home from Murray State at that point uh, for the summer. And she said, well, we're looking for people to come play. Do you want a scholarship? And I was like, yeah, OK. She said, well, we got one left. Six months later, did my SATs and I'm in America. And it was just bizarre. I couldn't believe the turn of events. And yeah, so I started studying there. When I arrived, I... Um, uh, it was snowing and I went to make snow angels. I've, I mean, I've never seen snow. And I got pneumonia for the first two weeks while I was in America. <sighs> Just awful. Called my mom. I'm like, okay, I want to come home. She goes, there's no chance. 
<laughs> so when the snow finally melted, and we we stopped hitting off hay. That was that was what we had to do in uh, in Worry. We had, we hit off hay in uh, January, February. Interesting. Um, then it was great. Then we started playing golf, and uh, and I, I met the team, and and uh, we got on really well. Uh, really enjoyed college life, university life. Um, it was quite a big university. I think it was about um, 80,000 80, students. I think. Um, at that point, so it was a massive campus, and then after that, I transferred to Tulsa, which was a really small campus. It was about three and a half thousand students, so I had to adapt to to that again. But um, they were really good, uh, well ranked in America. I think they were top fifteen at that point, so got a lot of experience. Got to play pretty much against the the best in the world now. They were all in college then. Um, well, not. Well, after that, not now, I'm a bit older. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got really a good experience. I got my degree. And then after I decided, yeah, I'll, I'll give turning pro a chance. In terms of obviously you having the team background of hockey, did that kind of help with the team environment of college? Because obviously it's a little bit different. You are playing individually, but you play in a team and you have a captain of a team and you you have that whole aspect to it. Did that kind of help you? Yeah, it did definitely um, made me feel uh, a lot more at home over there, obviously being so far away and made really good friends, still in touch with them um, now, even though they live there. So, yeah, it definitely helped me adapt and, um, yeah, gave me the confidence, I guess, to stay over there. I'm going to say in terms of your game, what did you learn about it? Because obviously, as you said, you'd said you were going to do golf, then you've given up golf, then you come back into golf again. (laughs) How much did you learn during your span when you were at college? Yeah, I think uh, college is, is a different animal because you have to kind of perform every week to make the team. And then when you're on the team, you also have to perform and your teammates, obviously, you don't want to let them down. Um, so, yeah, you practice a lot <laughs> and you practice together. Uh, even went to the gym, if you can believe that, uh, three times a week, <laughs> six o'clock in the morning. That was fun. Not. Um, yeah, so I think. It just really gave me a, a very strong basis on on moving forward and, and having that patience to to persevere as well for not maybe only for yourself but for other people as well. And when was the point when you realised, okay, I can turn pro, <laughs> I can do this? Was it in your final year or was it a point before that? Well, again, I didn't want to turn pro. <laughs> I know this is not the typical golfer story, but um, again, my dad said, let's just let's take a chance, let's just see if you, how you do, and I said, okay, and off I went, and obviously didn't do well the, the first two two years, but then after that, um, yeah, when I started playing really well, I started enjoying it, like everybody would, of course, um, started making friends, and uh, yeah, just enjoyed tour life a lot more than, than I did in the beginning of the two years, but yeah, it would probably be my, my final, final year in, in university. And another thing that you've done several times is represent your country, uh, represent South Africa on the golfing stage, um, obviously at the World Amateur Championships and other places. Have you got any cool stories from <laughs> those times and amateur times? Uh, wow, That's, uh, this is a really long time ago. <laughs> uh, I guess the first time I travelled overseas was, I think I was 18, I went to Belgium. It's actually the first time I've ever been overseas. So. Yeah, that was um, mind-blowing, really loved it. Um, also, 
then made my best friend on tour and we we started traveling together and playing together at all all of those events and playing against each other and um but cool stories none that i can really remember offhand right now <laughs> it seems like such a long time ago uh but how proud were you to kind of fly the flag for your country and be able to compete in those tournaments no it was massive of course for I think in, in any sport, it's great to, to represent your country. And I was definitely very proud to do so um, and to have the opportunity to just to travel over the world, across the world and, and uh, compete in those, those big events as well. Of course. And you mentioned previously, obviously, the Q schools and your first year on tour. How much of a struggle, how, much, how different is Q school that off with? Because obviously you, you want to get that card, but it's, it's tough. It's probably the worst week of any golfer's career, I would say, and especially if there's bad weather and, and things like that involved. But it is so, so stressful. Um, even just like just one shot, you know, everything, everything is just um, hangs in the balance. And especially when you get closer to the end, you just want it to be finished, but you still have to concentrate. And, you know, it's, it's a very, very difficult and very expensive week as well so obviously if you don't make it then um yeah it would be a huge bummer and obviously as you said you kind of did both q schools um one year how well yeah <laughs> what was it like doing that because not everyone does it Some, sometimes people choose one over the other whereas obviously you did both <laughs> well i was still in america i just wrote my um my final exams uh literally the day of the final exam, I, I flew to Q school. Just yeah, I had to pack everything. Um, American Q school, yo, uh, I think it was two or three stages that you had to go through. Um, also, same thing. I think you make uh, about fifty or sixty made it. I'm talking about back then. Now it's different now. Into the final stage, then you had to play two different golf courses and and five days in a row, um, which is yeah tough it's really tough especially that last day um yeah I definitely would never want to do that again <laughs> I think at that point it also cost about ten thousand dollars it's probably at least doubled now um but once you get it obviously it's 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 difficult to lose your card I have to say uh once you're in and you make some money and you make some point um they really do look after uh the players keeping their cards um I think the one in Europe just after it was a week after it was freezing, um, like one degree Celsius. I think it was La Cala we played and this course, oh, so tough, as tough as it is. And it was one degree Celsius. So, yeah, that's, yeah, it's just not fun. <laughs> Boss, I'm sure anyone who's been through Hugh School listening knows exactly what you're talking about. And especially, as you say, the different conditions, if you do do both of them, like even now, obviously playing in the States and then coming over to Spain, which... It's not as cold as other parts of Europe, but it's still colder and different to what the States is. And obviously you mentioned the fact that obviously losing your cards. What was that like? Obviously, how much of a blow was it for you to kind of have to reset yourself and go, did you have to assess your goals and assess everything? Yeah, I think the the mistake I made in the the first year was that I I tried to play both and I, I went over and I came back and I didn't just choose one. Um, where the second year I, um, I I didn't qualify for America and I was able to only focus in Europe and um, get more used to that and the travel and the courses and 
um, which are also very con very different from the LPGA. Um, but yeah, of course, it's a bummer. You have to go back and it's not fun, but at least when you have done it before, you know what to expect as well. So it was kind of, I was kind of a veteran at Q-schooling, <laughs> you call it, you can say that. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was definitely a bummer, and uh, I, I I think it was important for me not to be uh, not to have both cards a second year to just concentrate on one and and get used to that as well. And as you say, obviously concentrating on Europe, and then you you, you kind of reaffirmed yourself with where you finished in the order of merit. What yeah. did what did click for you that year? Do you think did you, did you just get more used to life on tour? No, I just became a better golfer. <laughs> To be honest, I, uh, I practiced quite a lot. I saw this coach, his name's James Pitts. I worked really, really hard with him um, on my game and I was able to to shape the ball both ways, which was great. Um, so you could I could access those difficult pins. Um, started trusting my game more. I started hitting more different shots and yeah, just experiment with, with golf in general. I think when I started out on tour, I only had one shot and it was low, a low hooky left shot. So nobody wants that. And by 2010, um, I was able to, to hit a high cut. I was able to hit it against the wind. Um, and I practiced accordingly uh, to the course as well. So if you needed, uh, for instance, a lot of cuts that week, I would hit a lot of cuts that week. Um, if you needed a lot of wedges, then just focusing on the right thing um, just made me a much better player. So I didn't. I started making less mistakes and and more birdies, and pretty much so. That's what happened. So you mentioned 2010. Obviously, that was the year that everything clicked for you. What was it like going through that year, winning, and then ending up winning the Order of Merit? Oh, super cool! Of course, <laughs> um, it's a winning is a funny thing because. Once you once you do it, once you get that breakthrough, you you realize you're like, oh wow, okay, well, it was actually just doing the same thing and the end result being different. Obviously, you're under pressure, but if you can control that feeling of pressure and actually um, turn it to your advantage, then then you end up a winner. Like it's the weirdest thing. And then I, I got used to the feeling like, okay, I'm playing well enough. And I started being more aggressive. And um, yeah, it was just a miracle year, I suppose. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Uh, and also, I had the, the bit of a deal against Laura that year. I think she won, won five times as well. And it, it came down to the very last event, um, same as last year with, uh, with Lynn and Maya, uh, which made it super exciting. And obviously, she's such a legend. I've, I've, that year, I learned so much from her. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a fantastic, fantastic year. I, I wish I could have it all over again. <laughs> and how proud were you to be like a South African who'd won the Order of Merit on the LET? Yeah, I was obviously really proud. The very cool thing about um, the the ceremony at the uh, in Dubai was that I got all these messages from Ernie Else and Gary Player and and Louis and Brandon Grace and so that made it very very special. Um, obviously, also for them to to be proud of another South African and uh, being a girl golfer as well. You know, we, at that point we weren't always acknowledged so much by the men, and it was just really nice nice thing to know. Yeah. Obviously, another award that you got is being voted Players Player of the Year. Um, how much? 
does it mean when you get voted out by obviously your peers and your colleagues who see you week in week out yeah I think that's even more special because like you say they they think that you were the best golfer that year uh, especially going up against somebody like like Laura didn't expect it to be to be fair um, but yeah that just meant that that the whole tour did think that at that in that year it was I was the better golfer or, yeah it was it was awesome and some of your favorite highlights on playing on the LET what was that first win like to get over the line I still remember it like yesterday I played really well in, during the week it was quite a tight tight golf course which suits my game um, and it came down to the it was the second last hole I missed the green I had this awful awful chip um, tight pin in the rough buried so now I know I cannot make a mistake here yeah so that chip was was vital um, but the funny thing about that week is also I was struggling with my chipping and um, that's when when I met uh, Annalise Cordell and she was chipping so great I'm like you're playing so well but I'm really struggling with my chipping and she helped me literally the day before and then I had this exact chip that we were practicing for probably an hour the night before till like late and I was like, okay, you got this, you did it, duh, boom, like that, Betty on the last hole, um, to win, uh, long, but left to right, uh, and it went in, and I just went like, wow, that's amazing. Um, then my, then I ran off the green, because my friend hit me by accident with a champagne bottle on my head. <laughs> like, you're supposed to give me the bottle, not hit me with it. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was great, and um, so funny at that point, I think I won 80, about 80,000 euros. But now I'm like, I, I don't know about tax or anything like that, right? So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy a house. No, 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 get back to South Africa. <laughs> it's like, becomes like 40,000. I'm like, okay, I can't afford a house yet, but that's all right. <laughs> but at the end of the year, it was good. Um, but yeah, it's just funny, the, the things you think when you're younger and you don't really actually have a clue. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure winning five times that year helped a little bit in terms of trying to get a house. You had that five times over, so exactly. <laughs> would have helped you slightly. Um, there Are there any other memorable moments that you've had? Obviously, we are here in South Africa this week and this <laughs> next week is a tournament that you absolutely love to win at. <laughs> are any of those included your, in your highlight package? Oh, definitely. I think last year was last year was. Yeah, so it's one of my favourites, if not my favourite win of, of all of them, um, including the one on the LPGA. It was just it was just so surreal and everybody was there and it was such a good setting and it was, it was so silent. When we got to the green, it was so quiet and obviously then we all the putts went in and everybody cheered and then it was busy, busy, busy and then it was just complete and utter silence. You could not hear single thing um my friends and family were all there which made it so much uh, more special uh the year before it's open i think it was a COVID year uh so nobody was there <laughs> just, i didn't even know i was winning i hit it in the bush on the last hole and i, I thought i had to make a pass so like, am i gonna go for it am i not so I'm like, oh, i'll just chip out so I chipped out and I got to the green and I saw I was winning. All I needed to do was a two putt. I was like, oh, okay. That was a bit anticlimax, but okay, that's fine. Thank you. 
was just weird. Um, another favorite SA Open win was the one, I think it was the first Coast Sanction event in, in, um, uh, in Natal, Kozilu Natal. Um, that was a really, really big one as well. A uh, really good final day um, to come from behind and, and win it. And also just friends and family, just everybody was super happy. Oh, of course, if South African wins the SA Open, it's like in any country, right? Um, but yeah, those are definitely some of my favourite highlights of the of the European Tour. You mentioned obviously your win on the LPGA. What what was it like going back over there? Um, obviously, once you'd won the Order of Merit on the LET and you'd been in Europe for a few years, you then obviously made the decision to go back. What was that like? And then getting that win in 2013. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't want to go over there. I was quite content in Europe. I was making good money every year. Um, but my coach convinced me at the time to go because uh, just for the mere fact to compete against the best in the world and see how you do, um, which was fine. But I knew for a fact that I was quite quite happy in my little spots in Europe. Um, but I did go over and it was the same time as when the tour started struggling a little bit. So it was actually really good timing for me um, to go and, and try and make my mark over there. Um, the first year, I actually had a conditional card, so I didn't have a, a full card. Um, I got into this tournament, I believe it was Toledo, later in the year, and I finished uh, top five in that event, which got me into the Asian events. Um, so I qualified for the Asian events. Uh, the, the, the tournament I won was literally just after the tournament I won in South Africa. So it was the SA Open in, in, in KwaZulu-Natal, and I got home. Uh, and I said, OK, I'm not going. <laughs> I don't want to fly to China right now. And my sister goes, you are going. I'm like, I'm not going. So you're going anyway. So we had this huge argument that I am getting on that plane tomorrow. So I got on the plane, get to China. I think we got to China the Tuesday morning. I had to play the Pro-Am on the Wednesday. Then we were so tired um, and slightly hungover <laughs> that we got there. Uh, we didn't feel very good. And then it was a time when uh, Ebola was a big thing. And um, so we were tired and the, and the tour came to us and said we needed to be tested for Ebola. And I'm like, South Africa doesn't even have one case of Ebola, but okay, why do we have to? The whole thing, went to quarantine, everything. Then the next day, um, oh, that was after the first day, actually. I was 500 at that point. So, And then this just became such a big thing and everybody was concentrating on that instead of the tournament so I just said okay I don't want to hear another single word about Ebola I'm going to win this tournament and I'm going to leave and then I I withdrew from the tournament it sounds really cocky right now but I was like I'm playing so well I'm going to win I just had a feeling I'm going to win and then I withdrew already that week from the next tournament because I was like okay I'm over I need to go home and uh yeah then I ended up I ended up winning. I, I was playing behind Michelle Wee. Um, and the tournament was delayed until the Monday because of uh, extreme rainfall. And on the Monday morning, we still had to finish nine holes. And I just saw it like hitting it close, missing the putt, close, missing the putt. I'm like, oh my God, can this day just be over? <laughs> I just need this week to be over. And she was hitting it so, so well and just not making the putts. Um, but yeah, anyway, then I. I the last all um, quick prize giving, got straight into a car and flew home. So that was that was that.
Nobody at the golf course. Nobody. <laughs> Definitely a memorable week <laughs> for a myriad of reasons. You mentioned then, obviously, you went to the LGA kind of when the LET was struggling a little bit, and you've seen the differences having been on tour for such a long time. Um, how have you seen it grow and adapt over the past 15 years that you've been around? Massively. Uh, I think I spent about six years in America uh, before I came back. And yeah, there's been a massive growth um, in on the LET, um, not only um, financially, not only the money. I think the the, the players are better, the, the um, how do you call it, uh, the level is is so much higher than and then when I first came out you can see it in the in the scores you can see uh top 20 players popping up from Europe every year there's um uh, Ataya there's Lynn there's Maya there's all these really strong players coming from Europe um which which is obviously uh really good for our tour and it also shows that the the level in the competition has increased a lot of course and um as I said earlier, we are back in South Africa this week. How much has golf changed here in your homeland? How much have you seen it evolve over the past few years? And obviously, as we mentioned at the start, the Sunshine Ladies Tour now being a regular thing every year. How much has that helped? Yeah, I think I've been playing the Sunshine Ladies Tour for over 10 years now. And uh, I think when we started, it was 300,000 rand, which it's What's that in in Europe? Euro Euro is uh, fifteen thousand euro. I think we we played for back then. Um, now we've got two co-sanctioned events. We've got a really big tournament in in Die Data. Um, we've got the Order of Merit. Um, yeah, and every every single year the the prize fund increases and uh, the the level of of play as well. The level of the the strength of the fields. You could see last week. This week in Sun City, it's it's full field events now. People want to come and play, and uh, I think it's just going to keep growing. But um, yeah, I'm immensely proud of of the tour um, and all the work that that Polly put into it. Uh, I think if it wasn't for her, this the tour definitely would not have been there. So we we should be very grateful to her as well. Obviously, why is it so important for you to? Because you always have done play the South African events on the LET, and you know be someone who comes back and plays at home. Obviously, next week we'll have Ash back playing on the LET as well. What does yeah. it mean for all of you? Because you you all love to come back and play <laughs> play on these events. Yeah, we do. I know Ash loves to come back and play here as well. Uh, she just has a much busier schedule than we do. Um, but it's so fantastic that she's joining the event next week. Um, I can't wait to see her play there. And I, I'm sure the whole of South Africa will be watching and supporting her, which is just fantastic for the event. Um, but yeah, I always like being home. Uh, I like being, I like playing in front of my friends and family that don't often get the chance to see us play, and just to to be able to just fly home for the weekend like I did now uh, from Joburg is yeah, that's a massive treat. Uh, obviously, not spending so much time here. Um, but yeah, I I will always support the tour as long as I play, and I'm immensely proud of of what's it become. Of course. And why, why do you think it brings the best out in you? Is it because you're playing in front of your friends and family? Is it just that connection that you have to home? <laughs> I think so. There's an open, I mean, it's probably a bit of a pride thing as well. I think every single South African wants to win that event. Um, Joburg, I'm not, I'm not so good up there, I have to say. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a bit of a different style of golf. Um, I think long hitters do exceptional there, and um, yeah, I, I don't always get it right. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I love playing at the coast. I love playing in Cape Town. Um, obviously, if the wind blows, I've got a, a bit of an advantage on that, just because I grew up in it. Um, but I don't know. It's just I think I'm I'm really proud of South Africa in general, um, South African sport, and uh, yeah, to be to be a champion on, on home ground is just something so special. You said your game is in a good place, obviously, having had the start of the season. Are you confident that you can get another LET win this year? Is that something that you would like to happen? Yeah, definitely. I'd like to win as many times as I can. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like it's really good. Um, I feel like it might might happen in the next few weeks. Um, if not, uh, I'll have to reassess. We have, we have a few months off now before uh, we start. I'm not going to Singapore, um, but in May. But yeah, I feel really strong uh, mentally, actually. I feel really, really good. And I, I think I could, could see that um, in the schools in Saudi, Saudi, how well I played, uh, set my mind to to doing a, to having a 10 under weekend at a nine under weekend. So um, that just tells me that first my game is in a good, in a good, good enough place where I, I can chase what I want and I can hit the shots I want and the rest will take care of itself as well. So yeah, I think I, I will. I hope so. <laughs> and how important is your mentality to you? Obviously, as you've said before, with the setbacks and then coming back stronger, it seems something that you're really resilient and that you're able to kind of focus on specific things. Is that is that the case or am I just making that? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I think in the past everybody knew that I was a bit of a hothead. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I, I put myself under so much pressure in the past and I really wanted to win and I got used to winning and I, I put so much expectation on myself to 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 still keep on doing that, that, um, that I, I lost sight of actually just having, just playing one shot at a time, which is what I usually played like. Um, I feel like I'm definitely back there now. I'm back to where I used to be. Uh, um, in, in my mental strength, um, I think when it comes down to the line, down to the to the to the line wire, um, I definitely have that uh, reserve to to get to the next level and do it. Um, but yeah, I feel I feel good. I feel healthy. I feel happy. Got engaged. So everything in my life right now is 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 fantastic. And yeah, just super happy. I was going to say, you did mention Annalise earlier <laughs> and you announced obviously on Instagram that you'll be getting married next year. Have you done any wedding plans? Is anything in the works already? Yeah, because we weren't supposed to be uh, to be home a lot. So we we jumped right in and we, we have a venue and uh, uh, we have a date. It's the 13th of January next year. Um, but that's uh, we'll do the formalities before that. And then that will just be the, the reception. Um, but yeah, we need to play well this year because we have two weddings. We have one, <laughs> and we have one in France. The joys of being from two different countries, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, we're super, super excited, and we ha we're happy to have a venue and a date. Uh, it's going to be a beach wedding, which is nice, and not too not too big, but 50 people, I think. Very nice, very nice. And yes, as you say, both better play well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get both of those covered I'm this year. And I'm paying for the one in Rand. <laughs> um, and then finally, what does 
Leanne like to do in her spare time? I know obviously you like to spend time with family, as you've mentioned, the beach, water sports. Is that the kind of thing that you like to do when you're not on the golf course? I do. I love fishing as well. Love brying. Uh, like you say, spending time with my family, being at the pool, just uh, just doing some some normal things. Also decorating the house was really fun. We painted and <laughs> so I don't know how that helps. Golf. That's great. I love that. Decorating is very fun. (laughs) Okay, as I said, we've got a quiz to end it on. So five questions. You've you've actually covered some of them already, so I think you'll be okay. Uh, (laughs) So Leanne, first up, how many professional wins do you have? I actually know this one. 23. Yes. Ah! Do you know how many on the L.E.T.? Ooh. Eleven? Yes. Ah. see, you do know your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what was your lowest round on the L.E.T.? 64? Yes, and you've done a 64 twice. Do you think where you've done that? Oh. No. No. I mean, you got you got 64, right? That was the correct answer. But uh, the Finnair Masters in 2010, you shot a 64. Serious? And and uh, the 2021 Dubai Moonlight Classic also shot a 64. Yeah, that, that was just the other year. Yeah, <laughs> not that long ago. Like 13 years. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, so I know you'll definitely know the answer to this one. Who came runner-up to you when you won the... Order of Merit in 2010? Miss Dame Laura Davies. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, when you won the Sanya Ladies Open, which helped clinch, obviously, your LET Player of the Year award in 2013, who did you beat in a playoff? I know, but I forgot. I know, a little Chinese girl. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was 10 years ago, so I'll let you know. Yeah, you. Yu Yang Zhang was the player. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. The final question. You produced a memorable comeback to win the 2014 South African Open. How many shots behind were you heading into the final day? 2014? Yeah. Five. Yes. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> you do know your stuff. <laughs> nice. Actually, thought nothing I was to... <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing to worry about at all. <laughs> okay, so Le- Leanne, thank you very much for joining me today on the LET Golf Podcast. And good luck for the next two weeks in South Africa. Thank you. Thanks for going down memory lane. It was actually quite fun. So there we have it, a brilliant chat with the one and only Leanne Pace as she gets set for the LET South African doubleheader, which begins this week with the Joburg Open at Modafontaine Golf Club. As always, we'll be there to cover all the action, where we'll also be bringing you some exclusive interviews from South Africa, including from AIG Women's Open champion Ashley Buhai. So stay tuned for that, it's one you really don't want to miss. Until then, we hope you enjoyed episode four of the LET Golf Podcast. If you did, you know the drill, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, or whichever platform you're streaming from. And remember to follow us on socials at LET Golf. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you next week.
it's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour.